0: Talk Radio. Good evening from nearly cool Florida, <clears throat> the weatherman says probably within 10 days we'll get a strong enough cold front that will allow the air to get drier and the temperatures to be more comfortable, <clears throat> good news. Um, Last week, I spoke about the psychotherapy in which I put therapy in quotes because it's not a real therapy. It's not a real treatment. What it is is an interaction between two or more people, which is designed to help people uh, figure out why they behave as they behave and uh, make choices in their life that might be uh, uh, better for them in their own opinion, or better for society, <clears throat> which would judge them for behaving as they were behaving. And I wanted to continue that discussion today. Uh, <clears throat> Psychotherapy. <clears throat> First of all, let me add, when I put the quote around it, uh, it's because I reject, and I've said this so many times, uh, the idea of applying a real diagnosis, a medical diagnosis to understand why a person does what they do. People behave uh, in ways that make sense if we go into their history, the choices they make, the beliefs they have, and the emotions that surround and affect come from those beliefs. These are not medical conditions. They're states of mind and choices that people make Adaptations that reflect the entire uh, total life experience, psychological, social, and biological of an individual. The best people can do under the circumstances of their existence. Um, When we use a term uh, that's medical, and there's no medical uh, basis for the uh, activity, for the actions, Uh, we are really making a moral or social judgment about an individual and their behavior. We're saying there's something wrong with how they think or feel or what they do. These are by definition moral and what I want to talk about first tonight uh, is the relationship between understanding and judging when it comes to people who are suffering and people who are in trouble uh, who come into uh, a therapist's office and uh, start to complain about their life and the people in it uh, and reveal uh, with some insider or without What I talked about last week, the self-hatred and the rage against the world, uh, the feelings of helplessness and hopelessness, that anything can change, that comprise, for example, a depression. Uh, Depression isn't the thing. Uh, I had a woman uh, talk to me last week uh, where I work, and uh, she called me aside and very nervous. Can I ask you about my depression? I've been depressed for many years. Uh, and I talked to her a little about it, and she said, sometimes the medicine works, but more often than not, that it doesn't. Uh, so I told her what my belief in a depression is, that it's uh, a feeling of self-hatred, uh, and she said, oh, I've had that. And I said, no, you didn't have it. <clears throat> it's based on a belief you have about yourself. And this was enormously helpful to her. Uh, and I suggested that uh, perhaps you could find a therapist and I'll talk to her again this week because she really has to if you find a therapist work out the problem of the diagnosis that has to be made if insurance is going to pay and uh, make sure that the the doctor uh, or, or the person you find to work with you uh, will uh, not make judgments about you will be aware of the fact That they're trying to understand and not judge or use the judgments as a pretext uh, for understanding and uh, what's so interesting is that when I say I do psychotherapy and therapy in quotes most of the people I've worked with and understood as professionals really do psychotherapy that way Uh, some understand The metaphorical nature of the diagnosis and that uh, there's a kind of a a game going on which has its dishonest aspects uh, because we are putting down on a piece of paper a diagnosis that a health insurance company takes as literal when we the therapist and the individual uh, that they're working with or individuals that we're working with Know that this is not literal, that there's a kind of a falsehood here. Um, I don't know how to get around that, given the system that we are in. But most of the good therapists that I've known, and I knew so many over the 50 years that uh, I worked in the field, practice psychotherapy with quotes, that there is an attempt to help individuals understand themselves rather than judge themselves. They, the therapy produces or creates a non judgmental uh, atmosphere where people can be free to say and think what they feel and give a true historical record or create a true as possible historical record for the life that has led them up to the moment that we are in in our present discussion now this is not to say that morality plays no role in 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 the procedure the very fact that science says it's going to be non-judgmental doesn't mean that it's not Its goals are not moral. When, for example, uh, a group of doctors or researchers look for a a, uh, cure for an illness, they will be non-judgmental, open-minded about the procedures that they use to test, let's say, a drug, uh, an antibiotic and its effectiveness. Uh, But the very fact that they're looking for a cure for an illness or for a serious problem, is moral in nature. It is believed that this is a good thing to do, that we should be able to cure a particular illness with our antibiotic or or with another chemical or another procedure uh, involving a, a serious disease. When I sit down with a patient I have a moral idea of my behavior. Now, what I try to be is scientific in my attitude. And by the way, I, let me just talk about that. I was trained to do research, and I've done very little actual research, that is, collect data uh, and, and uh, put statistics to it and uh, do tests to see whether my data is significant or not. Uh, and then publish that data. But I took away from my training an attitude that says, I have to be able to understand as best I can what somebody is telling me, uh, get the facts of their life uh, without bias and without distortion, and to be critical about myself and my understanding and how I work uh, in order to best achieve a way of helping whatever individuals I'm working with. So I consider myself in that way a scientist. My stories are about morality and science, and uh, they guide me as a scientist uh, a, and a practitioner. That my, my degree at NYU was to be a science scientist-practitioner. I was going to practice uh, the art and the uh, science of psychotherapy, which I still believe is more art and more story than science, but not the basic attitude. So that when we say, or I say, I was non judgmental, if somebody tells me something about their sex life, I don't go, oh, how could you do that? I listen. And I try to understand where this individual is coming from and where this behavior derived. The goal, usually, of therapy are moral in nature. If somebody comes in and says they behave this way sexually, the next question is, how do you feel about what you're doing? If they like it, I leave it alone unless, of course, it involves something criminal and dangerous to somebody else. And that leads to a very interesting conundrum. Somebody tells me that they're committing a crime and will continue to commit the crime. In some states, uh, I I am forced, uh, rather than to become an accessory before the fact and after the fact, to report this and tell them I'm going to report this. Uh, But most of the time, uh, that's Really, not a crime what they're doing, or at least not criminal in the sense that I believe it's, they're, they're a danger to others or themselves. By the way, if somebody tells a therapist about a crime they've have already committed, uh, confidentiality usually holds. Uh, you, don't, you don't report somebody based on a past crime. Here in Florida, Uh, It's not written very clearly. It can be what your judgment tells you to do, your personal judgment. Um, In any event, as this process goes on, it is my job to ask questions and do it in such a way that the person becomes less afraid of censure and of punishment. And I want to talk about this. I believe the right way to live in a democracy, in a democratic relationship between human beings now, children can't vote for their parents but the way a parent deals with a child can teach them how to become an adult that enjoys and sees the best way to live as democratic Uh, Winston Churchill, the great leader of uh, England uh, with a very interesting past before World War II where he became one of the heroes uh, of uh, that war and winning the war, um, said that democracy is a lousy way to live. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. It's no way to live. It's just better than any other way. And I believe that. And as I said last week, the people who come in hating themselves and others and labeling themselves and judging themselves to explain their behavior, which explains nothing at all, really were not raised in an atmosphere conducive to becoming a citizen in their own life and forming new relationships uh, with the larger society or immediate friends and family that are democratic in nature. Democracy allows or demands a respect between people and not punishment that is abusive, coercive. Most default relationships between people are authoritarian and totalitarian. Authoritarian in which you will be obedient to me in your behavior. I will tell you how to behave And you will behave that way without question, or you will be seriously punished. If necessary, put to death. In a democracy, a parent must be a leader. In a democracy, there must be leaders. We do not want anarchy. Anarchy uh, is a very difficult way for people to live. And ultimately, in the breakup of an organization, of a society, a civil society, or a family, Very often, the uh, cure in the minds of people is uh, authoritarian and totalitarian. Totalitarian, by the way, is when you're obedient in thought. Uh, You will not think or ever say anything uh, that is against what I tell you are the rules and the right way to behave. And so in this situation... People talk about the abuses of their life, and as I said last week, they move from self-hatred into a notion that they were victims, but ultimately victims who are going to take responsibility for their life uh, and not hate outward, but find some way uh, to form relationships and live in some uh, honorable way in society following the laws of the society to the degree that they find them lawful, uh, and at the same time, being able to be creative in their own life and express themselves as only they can express themselves. As I've said many times, there's a tension between becoming a member of a group, whether it's a family or a school or a church or the larger society, and becoming a member of that, And at the same time being an individual. Uh, It's a tough, tough thing to work out and the therapy, when it's done right, allows people to understand where they have been punished and disciplined in authoritarian and totalitarian ways, where they won't dare think about changing their behavior or can't even express to themselves how they feel and what they think about uh, the disciplinarians in their family or in their school or in their church. Um, religions that make life, as I understand it, livable for people in, an to- in a dem- democratic society uh, have moved from uh, God is watching what you think and fire will come out of your nose if you think the wrong thing to much more a liberal uh, stance in which this is what we believe is morally right, this is what we believe is morally wrong. Uh, but we won't burn you at the stake if we believe you're thinking or doing the wrong thing. Are there people in our society who would like to restore such authoritarian and totalitarian law, uh, religious or civil? Absolutely. Absolutely. And every time I turn on the news, I become really terrified just to become political for a second. There's all kinds of talk about how uh, Donald Trump demands loyalty of uh rex tillerson and the others who are in his cabinet or he appoints and tells what to do and i say no that's not loyalty that's obedience he demands because to me he is a very authoritarian individual and he wants to be obedient obedience paid to him not loyalty loyalty is a totally different thing that maybe I'll do a separate show on sometime Uh, people are loyal it's freely given loyalty obedience is demanded with a threat of punishment uh, whether it's physical punishment or psychological punishment or you're given a label and the labels we internalize which then supposedly uh, uh, to control our behavior for example uh, are they pernicious for example uh, somebody will say to me I am a schizophrenic I say no you're not a schizophrenic there's no such thing as a schizophrenic maybe if there's a disease called schizophrenia you have schizophrenia but you not are schizophrenia to say to somebody you are defective Genetically defective, because that's what we tell the people. And you are, essence, before you're an American, before your name, before your last name, before your religion, before anything that you feel defines your identity, you are a disease. Horrendous. Devastating. And when I practice therapy, when I do work with people, I try to get them to understand that if you want to use the word schizophrenic, you can say, I behave schizophrenically. And then we try to break that down and understand what that actually means when we describe actual behaviors and actual experience and the expression of emotion. Because that scientific understanding, and I put science in a kind of quotes allows us a self-understanding and a way of thinking that is vastly different than saying I am a schizophrenic or I am a bad person or I am uh, uh," whatever label places you in a social hierarchy at the bottom of the hierarchy feeling powerless feeling uh, uh, unworthy of love of, uh, of of Uh, sympathy, but rather uh, of being pitied. Uh, These are the things that I see and feel and I've experienced in my own life that destroy creativity and destroy any ability to have insight into one's life, to make choices, to live differently, because we believe those choices are morally better for ourselves and others which then allow us to love because I believe that the the highest moral value is to love others and oneself but love does not exist in a terrifying hierarchy in which you are labeled a beast as someone who never should have been born as a weak Silly, stupid. Let's spend a little time on the number of teachers. And I had thought it, I never really said to somebody, You're stupid, because it's just incredibly painful to watch somebody's, a child's face, a student's face, when they believe they're being told they're stupid, which means unable to learn and learn anything. Uh, But I used to think it. This person's stupid. No. Why this individual can't understand what I'm trying to teach? Maybe because of the way I'm teaching it. Right? This child is learning disabled. Well, maybe the school is learning, is teaching disabled. Or well, the teacher is. How do we create a structure whereby that individual starts at where they are and without panic? without a feeling that they are stupid, that their life is being lost. Wonderful article in the Times last week about the rise of anxiety among college students. Uh, I see this with my own family. Get one bad test grade, a bad SAT, a bad this or that, and my life is over. Uh, Not only is this factually not true, but it's totally unnecessary and the wrong way to live. And if I say it's the wrong way to live, then it's not a scientific judgment. It's my moral judgment that no child should be put in a position to say, if I can't pass this test, uh, I'm a stupid person, and I don't deserve, and nothing good can ever come to me in life. This is the default position that comes out of our churches, our schools, Our politics, unless we uh, urge ourselves, unless we are uh, thoughtful about creating a democratic system that has leadership, but one that is respectful and allows judgments to be put aside while we're trying to create understanding. How's that? So, psychotherapy, in quotes, therapy, in quotes, is a moral activity. It's moral because we believe it is good, and it's a process to help people suffer less, do less damage to themselves and others. That it is non-coercive, and that it is non-judgmental as we sit and allow an individual To feel the courage, to feel the the strength, the ability to reduce the fear, for let them tell us and themselves a life story that includes the important people in their life and what went down between and within themselves. And it works. A cousin of mine showed me an article in one of the Journal of American uh, Medical Association that suggests that psychotherapy is a better way to treat depression than uh, drugs, or at least as good. Better in the sense that it is longer lasting, and better in the sense that there are fewer physical side effects. And there's an interesting article that uh, should have been written in this JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association, 40 years ago because that's already been demonstrated scientifically. But the drug companies want to sell their drugs, and very few psychiatrists, especially today, practice any kind of psychotherapy, The diagnosis is made based on behavior, the assumption is we have to tweak the brain chemistry of the individual and this sets up a block towards any kind of understanding and working through of those situations that created an individual who hates himself, hates the world, fears the world, believes that uh, everything is hopeless and he or she is completely helpless to do anything to change any aspect of their life. It's possible all that could be true, but most of the time in the society I've grown up in, change is almost always possible. Once the person believes that the change is possible and they can experience themselves descriptively and non-judgmentally, as they're guided by morals towards an understanding that is superior and freeing of what the demons of that have controlled their behavior. I think I've talked enough. It's over 30 minutes so far. Anybody want to call in? You know, I get a data on where my how many shows I I listen to. And I'm running about 300 a month, not an awful lot, but better than it used to be. That's nice. I like that. And I get uh, uh, nice responses on Facebook and on Twitter. But what amazes me is that I have people listening to my show almost all over the world. China, Vietnam, uh, parts of Africa, a lot in Canada, a lot in Great Britain, most in the United States, good proportion in Australia. I like that. So, anybody want to call in? You know what? If I probably did my show in the morning, but I I would get more phone calls because the people in Europe who I know would like to call me are asleep already. And I don't think they really want to stay up in order for uh, them to talk on my show. Okay, it's over. i got to take the ice cream out of the freezer and let it soften up a little bit. Piggly Wiggly has to go to work on dessert. Good night.